Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast from Switch to Manual. I'm Antonio, and this is episode 78 for the end of July 2018. And what a summer it's been. <laughs> it's, not, it's only, well, we're just getting into August uh, or the end of July, and it's really felt like a long summer to me so far. And uh, hopefully it is for you guys as well. It's nice when the summer extends for an incredibly long period of time. It's just, uh, I feel like I'm getting a lot done uh, and having a lot of fun. Uh, and now we're getting into the dog days of August, at least here in New York. Although, you know, it hasn't been so bad in terms of the summer. Uh, so, you know, it's not like it used to be when I was growing up, when August was always, you know, one, probably one of the worst months. Uh, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope that it doesn't get too bad for the rest of August. And my electricity bill has gone up the wall from, uh, you know, using my hair conditioner all the time. So uh, anyway, so how are you guys doing? Uh, I thought uh, this show would be a little bit different. Oh, well, wait, first of all, I'd like to uh, ask you if you guys had any feedback from uh, the show that I did with uh, Sid and Mac on uh, Shutter Time. Uh, where we took the uh, part one and did it on their show and did part two on uh, this show. I'm hoping uh, you guys like that. And this idea is like, you know, we uh, Shutter Time is, you know, we've become you know, cross-border cousins, as it were. I really enjoy uh, being on the show with uh, Sid and Mac. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have them on this show also as well as many times as I can. So I hope you guys like that. I hope you like the crossovers that we're doing. Uh, but let us know in the feedback for both uh, for both shows. You know, uh, we'll 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 see if you guys like them, and we'll maybe we'll do some more of them, and maybe we'll do it where I do part one on this show, and then we do part two on their show, or some other kind of mashups and stuff like that. But I'd like you guys to you know give me some feedback about that, and uh, we'll see if we can improve it or you know whatever you guys say. You know, as long as uh, we're doing this stuff for you guys, <laughs> hopefully you're enjoying it because. Uh, I think all of us just love talking about photography so much so it's great to be able to do those uh, sort of cross you know cross pollinations i like to say it you know so uh anyway go go back uh you know our my previous episode is part two of a discussion that started on uh sid and max uh, show so you need to just go back go back to the show notes and we'll have the links for that so anyway you know give us some feedback about that and uh you know let us know how we're doing uh, in that department but uh, what else am I going to say? Oh, so I don't know. It's the end of July. I didn't really have a topic for tonight uh, because uh, you've been working a lot and uh, doing other stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I do have this show scheduled to come out two times a month. So it's kind of nice because then I know, like, I got to do something for the middle of the month and I got to do something for the end of the month. Um, but you know, just when this was coming up, I was like, I don't know what to talk to you guys about. I mean, I've been talking a lot on, I've been actually on a lot of different shows talking about photography and you know that I don't talk a lot about gear here. So, I mean, if I did, you know, I could probably have a show every week, but I, I'm not only about the gear here, you know, so I like to come up with different topics and like even experiment with some uh, interesting things. And, and I'm going to talk about an experiment we're doing on this show tonight a little bit in a, in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of in the last minute. It's July 31st. Uh, it's midnight. 
(laughs) I used to like to do things at the last minute. And this is literally last minute. You know, I'll be putting out the show later today, you know, uh, after I get up and, 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 uh, get ready to go to work and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll get the show out. Uh, so, you know, how many of you guys are just sort of like doing stuff in the last minute, you know, <laughs> like me, <laughs> but, um, I had a couple of things I wanted to, uh, sort of throw out into the world, uh, and then get into what I actually did for the show. But, uh, uh, one thing is that, you know, uh, and again, you know, here comes the social media talk again, but I'm not going to, this is really not about social media actually, but, uh, you guys know, I shut down my, uh, my personal uh, Instagram account. So I'm not posting uh, regularly, or actually I'm not posting at all uh, for now. I don't know how long it is. It's probably a couple of months, maybe. I don't know. I have to, I have to go check. I, I'm not really keeping track. But uh, sorry, I figured I'd give you a little bit of a follow-up of what that's sort of doing uh, to me in a way. And the quick and dirty kind of thing I'm sitting here thinking about is that I there's I feel a little lost. And what do you what do I mean by lost? Well, it's interesting because prior to uh uh posting to Instagram uh, on a daily basis actually um I don't know what I was doing with my photography and now I'm sort of back to that. You know, I'm taking pictures, I'm still doing my street shots. Uh and what I'm finding is that first of all I got a huge backlog of work that I need to process need um, that I want to process, uh, cause you know, my, my pictures that I take in the camera are just, they're, they're usually not the finished picture. So I'm usually converting them to black and white or cropping or doing something to them. But, uh, I have a huge backlog of, of images that I've transferred to my phone of all places, cause that's where I do my processing. And I'm looking back and I see that I've, I've been transferring pictures and I'm like, wow, you know, making selections of pictures and street shots and whatnot. And they're just sitting there and I'm like, oh man, they're, they're backing up because I have like, I, because I decided not to go to Instagram anymore. What am I doing with them? I mean, really, I I don't, I'm not putting them on my website again. That's one of my summer goals is to really get my website revamped a little bit and also the switch to manual site revamped, but I haven't yet, you know, and, and the convenience of, uh, like a social media posting is actually quite helpful if you're not really posting onto a website because, you know, it's a place to put the pictures and you can show them to the world. And I'm not doing that. And it's like, where are these pictures going? Well, right now they're not going anywhere. You know, I'm not posting to Flickr. Now, Flickr, I don't really consider like an Instagram. I mean, I really think of Flickr of like a place where I, I have t- actually I have a ton of pictures on Flickr. And I, and I think it's sort of like a generic gallery. But I haven't been posting there. Um, I also have, I've been posting a little bit on, on my Facebook, uh, professional page and the switch to manual page. Uh, and I have been sending some shots into Twitter, but they're kind of like random, you know, it's like, there's no real plan behind them. And that's really interesting. Like, it's like, should I have a plan? What am I doing? Should I have some sort of plan? And I don't, and they're not going anywhere. And so what's interesting is that I, I really let Instagram sort of have a grip on me and what I was doing with my pictures, like having this thing that I did every day and I posted and now I'm not doing it. And it's, and it really is a strange experience. It's a lost kind of experience. Now I'm not a professional photographer where 
uh, that's kind of weird to say that. Um, and I mean that in the sense that I'm not making my living at doing photography anymore. Uh, mostly I'm trying to do stuff with switch to manual and I'm working in video. And even though I do feel in my DNA that I'm a photographer, I mean, I carry my camera around with me every day. Um, I, I'm not doing it professionally, so I'm not, uh, doing a, God, that's the wrong, again, that's the wrong way to say it. I am making some money in photography, so, you know, it, it is a profession, but I don't feel like I need to promote myself, you know, so I'm not putting stuff, like, I think, you know, photographers are putting stuff on Instagram to promote themselves and try to get jobs. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, you know, to, to be active in social media, but, uh, I'm not doing that, you know, and so, there's no goal with the social media to like say, oh, well, you know, I got to get, you know, more jobs and, and whatnot. It's, it's not working that way. So it's like, okay, well, what am I doing with the shots? You know, who's seeing them? So, you know, if you guys have been following me and you haven't been seeing my work, it's like, well, I haven't shut down. I haven't stopped taking pictures. I've just sort of stopped putting them up someplace where everybody can see them, you know? And, um, like I said, I, I do need to get the website up and running uh, a little bit better. I mean, it's running right now. And I do have a place to put it. It's just not the way exactly I want it to look. Although, you, if you've if you've been going to my site lately, I have changed the the landing page and the galleries, and I'm actually liking it a lot. You know, I'm using a I'm using a WordPress uh, uh, theme on my site called Divi from a place called Elegant Themes. I'm not getting paid by these guys. I just I think it's a really really nice uh, theme. So if anybody's using WordPress. You know, and you really like it, uh, you might want to check this theme out called Divi, D I V I. And it's really kind of an easy way to lay out a website. And they, they look really nice. And so I figured out something to do with my site so that it actually looks good on the desktop and it looks good on the phone. And a nice landing picture that you see is a shot of a, a French bulldog <laughs> that I took during one of my classes. And I just like it, it sort of has an impact, but uh, it's still sort of a work in progress. But anyway, that would be kind of the place where I would start dropping the pictures and then, and then, you know, sharing those links, say on, uh, on Twitter and Facebook, that's, that's, uh, kind of the goal, but you know, it's summertime and I really don't feel like sitting in front of a computer right now and, and working on my Divi site, you know? So that's what, that's kind of what was delaying that a little bit. Uh, and you know, so I don't post in Flickr so much. I mean, if I do, I usually post a lot of pictures and it's, and it's kind of like a storage place, you know, like an online gallery. Uh, I don't really use it for discussions and whatnot. I mean, this is what Flickr is really good for, but there are, there are a lot of forums there and people together getting together, talking about pictures. I just don't do that. Uh, so, you know, I was thinking, wow, Instagram, I, I really, uh, and I'm trying not to blame Instagram, but you know, the things Instagram really had its, you know, its grip into me. And now that it's not there, I was like, what do I do? I'm sort of lost. I don't know what to do with my pictures, you know? So, uh, I don't, I don't have an answer right now. <laughs> like, I'm not saying like, oh, well, you know, I just wanted to sort of update you guys as to like what's going on and, and to sort of d to describe to you the, the lost experience. And I lost, I put lost in quotes, you know, I'm not really lost. But there's kind of a lost experience to this whole thing. It's like, okay, I'm taking pictures. I'm um, getting them off my camera. I'm putting them in Lightroom as storage. Uh, I process them on my, you know, phone using Lightroom and Snapseed. I get some great shots. I'll post one or, you know, sometimes like one or two a week, uh, maybe, um, you know, on Facebook or something like that. And and that's it. You know, pictures are pff, they're just sort of sitting around. So. Uh, this is a to-be-continued, you know, kind of process, and I might continue it here, or I might continue it in another podcast, you know, 
talking with Shutter Time and those guys, and they might ask me questions about that. I mean, it's an ongoing thing. We'll see what what happens. I'm just um, very curious about this experience uh, because, like I said before, I you know I never grew up with social media. So what was I doing before then? I was taking pictures, although a lot of the shots I was doing back then were commercial, you know, shooting stock photography. So they kind of did have a purpose. You know, I, I had some place to put them and do something with them. You know, but. Uh, Still, you know, I managed okay without, without, you know, social media for a very, very long time and, and was kind of satisfied. I never had this, you know, kind of, well, it's not true. I probably did have this lost experience, but maybe not as extended uh, or focused on one thing, you know. So uh, I did want to update you, the, you guys about that. And uh, this way, you, you know, you're sort of staying in touch with what I'm doing. Uh, so anyway. Another thing uh, is this is just a little personal thing on the side, but I had a I had a computer crash about uh, I think between this episode and the last episode, and it was uh, my laptop had uh, decided to go really kind of uh, belly up on me, and I was like, okay, that's another interesting thing. And if you if any of you guys have taken my class, you probably have known my my street photography class in Brooklyn. Probably know I ask you guys about like, okay, so you take on all these pictures. Are you backing up? Okay. Now for all you professionals, guys who are listening to this, you, you can just, you know, skip to the next chapter as it were. But uh, this is, you know, coming, this is from me to anybody else who's not doing this. Uh, I want to talk to you about backing up your work. And, and, and I'll use myself as an example in this case because it wasn't so bad. I have a couple of computers and my all my Lightroom library and my I have about seven hundred and twenty thousand images minimum uh, stored in my Lightroom library. Now some people are going to say that's way too much for a library, and this is not this. I'm not going to get into this discussion right now. I mean, it, it is a big library, and I, I probably ought to break it up. But Lightroom is actually on a, on my old machine is actually running pretty decently. I mean, it's it's a slow program to begin with, but it's like it's not doing too bad for three quarters of a million images in in uh, in its database so but my desktop is like you know i've got that thing backed up from here to you know you know wherever i mean i've got i i obviously have to have multiple hard drives for all my images so i do and each one of those is backed up at least um one two i think each of my 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 storage drives are stored up uh, backed up twice right so i've got multiple backups of each and uh, my desk, my desktop, where all my documents are stored and, and whatnot, uh, that's cloned uh, a couple times, right? So I feel like I've got enough backup that if my desktop computer decided to go haywire, I could probably, you know, get back up and running and not be, you know, breaking a sweat about it. My laptop is sort of a satellite machine for me. I don't do too much with it, but I do some Lightroom work, uh, and the libraries aren't. Um, they're not synchronized. I just do separate Lightroom work on, on that, and I have some documents and, and, and whatnot. And it's basically on-the-road stuff. But, you know, there's that kind of time where you just dump a lot of, where I, well, where I dump a lot of stuff on the desktop, and I don't really manage it, you know, until, you know, I'm thinking, well, it's not going to crash. Or, of course, it decided to crash. And just before it did, what I did was I used a Macintosh, and I have a 13-inch MacBook, and I used, um, uh, I used Time Machine to back that up. Uh, you know, because it backs up the system and it backs up all the documents and stuff like that. So when the when the computer was starting to go get a little fritzy, I was like, hmm, okay. I fired up uh, the time machine backup and then backed it all up. And then literally just after I finished it, 
uh, the computer sort of died. And long story short was I had to, I ended up losing one of my, uh, I have two hard drives in there. One's a solid state drive and the other was a mechanical drive. And the interface with the solid state drive somehow went on the fritz. Um, and luckily I've got the other interface. So I was able to swap the hard drives. Um, and I, the, my internal drive that had all my data on it actually got corrupt. But luckily I had this time machine backup and I ended up ordering a new drive and I uh, stuck that in and eventually got the time machine backup to backup uh, to the to the new solid state drive and everything was there. I mean, everything was there. The only thing I'm losing is this second little internal hard drive, which is not a big deal because it was I had already backed that stuff up. And, uh, you know, so what? I'll have another external drive I'll carry with me. So I don't need a, you know another internal drive. But I was I when this was happening, I wasn't really freaking out too much about it because a lot of my stuff, uh, my documents and stuff like that are stored in the cloud using Dropbox. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dropbox. And uh, so I was thinking, well, anything that's in Dropbox, I don't really care about because it's already at my desktop and it's already in the cloud. And so pff, big deal. Right. But I did have a couple of folders in the desktop that were like those aren't backed up or at least I don't remember what's on them. And, uh, you know, if I if I can't get access to them uh, and this is prior to getting the new hard drive and, and, and uh, putting my time machine back up on, I was like, oh, man, you know, there's stuff on there. I don't now I don't remember what was in there and I'm like shoot I would hate to lose that uh, I it didn't end up losing it because my time machine backup worked and I ended up getting it back but it did remind me of like okay you know there's stuff that I got to really pay attention to so uh, you know putting my documents and all my loose small stuff into Dropbox and then that gets you know uploaded to the cloud and then it eventually gets downloaded oh man someone's got a problem with their engine he's going to show off that anyway uh <laughs> you know if that ever happens like you know the stuff is in the cloud at, at dropbox and dropbox seems to be a company that's going to be around at least for the foreseeable future so i trust them to to store the stuff there and this is not a discussion about whether or not they're searching our stuff and whatnot i mean you know the uh <laughs> the, that's beyond the scope of what i'm trying to talk about i mean i wanted it my data is there my documents are there and so i wasn't crying over that I was getting a little uptight about the stuff that was on the laptop's desktop and that I didn't quite back up or didn't have in, a, in the cloud. Uh, and so there was a question about what other, whether I'd get that back because the time machine backup was, this whole process was actually a little bit shaky. It did work in the end. But uh, once I started figuring out the interface issues, you know, I, I was able to, to manage it. But until before that, I was like, shoot, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this stuff back. Anyway, this is sort of this long-winded way of story. Like, for, I, I wasn't really breaking too much of a sweat because the vast majority of the stuff on the laptop was was backed up. And I didn't, I, you know, I, I can imagine that sinking feeling. And I've had it before. Well, like, you know, you start hearing the drive start, you know, clicking. And you're thinking, okay, well, that's the end. And, and then you start realizing, oh, my God, the data that's on there is gone. And you can't get at it. And, and you don't have a backup, you know. Uh, and then you start to realize this, you know, and I've seen this happen to other people. Like you start, you can start seeing the depth of the, of the problem and yeah, you can get the drive recovered maybe, uh, but you have to send it someplace and they're going to charge you a fortune. So this is a very long winded way to say, you know, use me as a lesson. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to you guys that please back up your stuff. Okay. Uh, your images certainly should be backed up at least 
twice, right? I mean, and a lot of people are going to have it on their hard drive on their computer. And probably because you're shooting so many pictures, you're going to have to get them off your hard drive because your computer's hard drive is not going to be able to hold it. So you're going to have to have external drives. But you need to have at least two, okay? And I, I, for me, I'm only happy with three, meaning I've got my library on my computer and I've got two backups that I, that I swap around on the outside. And the reason why I want two on the outside is because I'm never trusting just one to work, you know, <laughs> because what's going to happen is when I'm coming back and, you know, trying to restore my stuff and that one hard drive, um, if all my stuff is on that one drive and that drive dies while I'm trying to, you know, restore things, then that's it. And so I like to have a second, you know, I like to have a multiple backups, but you know what? Uh, this is me. Okay. You guys, you know, if you're not backing up, please go to, go to Staples or Office Max, or, you know, go to OWC, uh, MaxSales.com. Uh, they're great, by the way, they have for external drives. And buy yourself an external drive that's, you know, maybe twice the size of the drive that you have on your computer. And just use whatever, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm a Mac, so I use Time Machine, which is maybe not the best, but you know what? It worked, you know. In this case, it actually worked perfectly. Um, then there's different kinds of backup programs. But, you know, buy yourself, get yourself a backup strategy and back your stuff, stuff up because the thing is going to die, okay? And when it dies and you have that sinking feeling and you start realizing your stuff is gone and you're not going to get it back, uh, that's not worth, you know, the 100 or $200 you're going to spend on an external or a couple of external drives. Uh, the, the amount that you're going to pay for therapy <laughs> to deal with the, you know, talking to someone about the loss of all your data you know, a couple hundred bucks for a hard drive is not, is not anything. So get yourself a drive and start backing up and don't wait for this to happen, you know, and, and, uh, uh, thinking that, well, it's not going to happen to me and my computer's brand new. In fact, brand new computers die all the time. And again, you know, with all these computers, the matter of when and not if, you know, drives are mechanical, even SSD drives, even though they're not mechanical, nobody's saying they're going to last forever. So back this stuff up. All right. You know, if anything, back up your pictures as much as possible. I mean, you're not going to get those back, you know. You're, you're not going to be able to reshoot these things that you've done. And, uh, you know, with documents and stuff like that, you know, consider consider an offline uh, service like Dropbox or whoever. I don't know. I mean, and there's plenty of backup services that are offline. Uh, there's Backblaze, I think. Uh, I'm not going to go through the list because I don't really know the... Um, backing up images is a little tricky to do offline because the data files are large. And so you need to find, if you're going to go offline with them, you need to find some place where perhaps you can send in your hard drives to get them a, sort of a kickstart and backup because you might have like a few terabytes of data and you can't really upload that, you know, through your internet connection. It's going to take forever. So, um, you know, there might be places where you can actually send them the hard drives so that uh, they can kickstart your backup. And then as you're shooting, you can, you can uh, upload the you know, smaller batches. <clears throat> For me, I've got so much data that, that an offline thing with all my pictures is not necessarily practical for me. Plus, I'm not sure I can afford it. So I do a lot of you know, swapping hard drives and, and trying to physically move them you know, away from my computer. I mean, that's one way to do it. But uh, if anything for your documents and the small stuff, you know, get yourself a Dropbox account, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, 99 bucks a year or even iCloud or whatever, whatever the service is, you know, having that stuff off your computer, then it doesn't matter. Your computer is just a dumb machine, which then you can replace, you know, should it die, 
and then you, you know, replace with a new screen and, and you download your stuff and you're done, you know, and, and you're not breaking any sweats. You're just breaking, you're just losing the time that it takes to get your machine back up and running. Uh, and it's also probably good to have a second machine too. I mean, if you're really serious about doing this stuff, you know, uh, the one thing you don't want to do is like if you're taking pictures, you know, say you're doing a, you know, a wedding or something like that and, and you go to your desktop computer and you start copying your pictures off and all of a sudden, you know, your computer dies and you got to get these pictures to the, to your client. Uh, you know, if you have a second machine, then you can just fire it up and stick the pictures in and start doing stuff and, you know, worry about fixing your desktop later, you know? So having a couple of machines, you know, it's almost like having a couple of cameras. Like you wouldn't go to a job and with one camera because one camera died, you know, you're done. So you know, you can, you know, carry two cameras around. It's not too weird to have two computers. You know, it's not a big deal. And especially if you buy like a used one, a secondhand one, uh, and then you just modify it and you put storage and stuff like that. And maybe you don't make it your main machine, you know. Um, you just have it as a satellite machine for doing stuff on the, you know, on the road and stuff like that. You know, it's a nice thing to have. So anyway, it's sort of a long-winded way of me saying, please back up your stuff. It's not worth the the headache and the, the angst and the pain that you're going to have if you lose your stuff and you just don't have access to it. And, and I can probably guarantee you're not going to be able to want to spend the perhaps thousands of dollars to get your data retrieved if it can be retrieved at all from one of these data services so you know it's just cheaper go out i mean really the the little the little usb hard drives are like 90 bucks 80 bucks for a terabyte now or two terabytes probably two terabytes now for like 100 bucks i mean that's nothing i mean that's you know that that will back up your your desktop you know multiple times and then just make sure you have enough copies of your images you know have them in multiple places just don't leave them on your computer you know period don't just only have that one spot. So learn from me. Uh, mine wasn't terrible. It wasn't, you know, a terrible loss. I don't, you know, I don't want to think about anything dying because it is a headache, you know. And, the, and even if I do have the stuff backed up, boy, I, did, I was like, oh, man, you know. It's not what I want to go through. Uh, and it was just less serious. So that's my lesson to you. Uh, so in lieu of a photography you know, subject, <laughs> this one to talk to you about, but it's important, you know. In some of our cases, we're professionals, and it's your job to do this. You know, it's your job to take care of your pictures and, and make sure your archive is set because you might need to get access to it. You might have clients who want to get your pictures, you know, sometime down the line, you know, uh, portraits that people want to get access to, and you don't have access to them. So it is kind of your job to maintain all this stuff, you know. You have to, uh, um, you have to have, or, you know, you can hire somebody to take care of this stuff for you too, but do something about it, right? Don't just leave it to chance and don't leave it to time because stuff is going to fail. So, all right. So I talked to you about half an hour. For, I said, for someone who doesn't have a subject, so I've already talked for a half an hour. But anyway, uh, I want to get into this. This is a different part. This is the experiment I was talking to you about before. So a few, about a month ago, I, I, I you know I go to the, uh, the cemetery, the, the landmark cemetery near my, my house called Greenwood Cemetery. I love walking around there, and I love taking pictures. And I, and I take, I, I go there multiple times, and, you know, I test out new cameras there, and I just go out and test out. I do test out other gear there, and I just go around and photograph. It's a giant space. It's close to me, and it's great to take pictures. So anyway, about a month or two ago, I, I decided, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tape a mic to myself. I'm going to walk around, and I'm going to talk about what I'm doing and what my thought process is while I'm taking pictures and anything else that goes on. And so I attached a mic to me. Uh, I bought I have this thing called an Insta mic, which is this little sort of... Uh, 
looking at it now. It looks about the size of a, how do I describe it? Oh, like a small uh, mint, um, that's not even right. I don't know, about the size of my thumb. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Short little squat mic. And it's got a built-in, uh, it's got built-in storage on it. And it was part of a Kickstarter campaign. It's called Instamic. And I thought, okay, well, I'll attach this to me. And I'll walk around and I'll talk and I'll record myself. And, and then maybe I would post it to the show. So I walked around for a couple of hours. I, you know, I tested out the mic when I, when I started walking. I was, you know, checking out my iPhone. I saw, okay, it's, it's working great. So I just talked for like three hours, right? Now, I wasn't, I had no plan to put up three hours with a talk. But I thought um, I would get something out of it. You know, but, so but anyway, by the time I was done, I looked at my mic and the damn thing turned off. The power went off. And I had just charged this damn thing. And, and it recorded nothing. It recorded maybe that first 10 minutes of me testing, and then it stopped recording. So anyway, don't buy Instamic, okay? I'm sorry. If anybody from Instamic is listening to me, this thing is a piece of crap. And I'm actually regretting kickstarting it. Uh, but uh, anyway, because there was no way for me to, to tell whether or not it was recording. So it became an unreliable device. But anyway, that being said, uh, you know, I was like, all right, that's an interesting thing. I just walked around and I talked to myself for like two hours, maybe three hours. And I, cause I thought it was recording it, but I didn't. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. You know, <laughs> I just spent, you know, a long time with nothing to show for it other than the fact that I spoke out loud while I was walking around. And, uh, that was an interesting experience to begin with. So I'll put that aside for a second. Anyway, uh, a couple of weekends ago, I said, let me do this again. Uh, this time not using this stupid mic. I, I decided I have a lav mic that I attached to my iPhone and, you know, I got plenty of power on my iPhone and I tested the mic and it sounded pretty good. And I said, OK, I want to do the same thing. This time it's going to record and I'm just going to record me as I'm talking and walking and photographing and what's going on in my mind. So I thought, all right, you know, I got uh, I mean, I actually did walk around for about an hour and a half. I did talk to myself for about an hour and a half while I was in Greenwood. And I thought, okay, you know what? I will post this to the show. And I'm not posting an hour and a half, believe me. <laughs> so, but it is about 35 minutes of me walking and things that came to my mind while I was shooting. And I thought, you know what? Instead of just having that, you know, linger in the hard drive, uh, I would share it with you guys so you got maybe a little insight to what I'm thinking about while I'm walking around. And then just stuff that came to me that I wanted to sort of share uh, with you or the world. Um, and so... Uh, I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna present that in a in a second. It's basically just gonna be me uh, walking around there. Um, it is edited, right? So you might hear some. I, I, I haven't edited the f- the final piece yet. I'm I'm gonna do that tomorrow morning. So I might put a little background music or breaks and stuff like that. But it's pretty much me. Just there's no. Um, I don't give too much away here, but there's no really rhyme or reason to it. It's just me walking through and thinking about a few things sharing it with you while I'm walking through and taking shots. So uh, let me know. Again, this is an experiment. This is also because, you know, I didn't really have a topic tonight to talk to, but I thought, like, I did I did want you guys to sort of hear my thought process while I'm, uh, while I'm taking pictures. And uh, I want some feedback from you guys, please, because if you like this, I'll do it again. Not a lot, you know. I'll do it occasionally. I'm not out to, like, you know only have, you know, soliloquies of me walking around in, you know, you know whatever place. Um, but I would like to know if, if this is something that's interesting to you and, and whether or not you guys actually resonate with some of the things I was talk- well, I'm was talking. i talking about. Uh, I hope you are and, you know, share that with me. But, uh, you know, from now, for the next 30-ish minutes, 
uh, you know, you can hear me walking through Greenwood. Uh, the sound you can the sound quality is a lot different, obviously, than you know me in a studio. So please forgive that. But it actually doesn't sound too bad. I mean, it, I was actually surprised at how good this microphone recorded me. Uh, but there is a little wind noise, you know. But it's outdoors, you know. Of course, there's wind. And uh, anyway, just you know, enjoy it. You know, if not, you know, you can consider this the end of the show. <laughs> you could go on, but if you want to hear me, I would you know hang in for the next thirty minutes and, and hear what it sounds like and and see if you guys. Uh, See if I uh, giving any tips or or resonate with anything and 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 let me know and I'll come back at the end of that and uh, uh, I'll say goodbye. So here I am in uh, Greenwood Cemetery and uh, hope you enjoy it. Okay, so it's uh, Saturday. Uh, I've just decided to uh, head over to Greenwood Cemetery to take a walk and take pictures. I thought I might record while I'm doing it and see what comes to my mind uh, while I'm shooting and, you know, share this on street shots with you guys and see what happens. You know, part of the interesting thing is about coming to the same place over and over and over again is how do you see it new each time you come? And is that possible? Excuse me, I'm a little out of breath because I'm walking up hills. I'm also not in the best shape. But, you know, this is uh, real life here. So anyway, how do you come to the same place over and over and over again? And, and see it new each time, and that's hard. And I don't always see this place new. Sometimes I just walk through and it looks the same over and over again. But yet, you know, a place like this, is pretty, it's a pretty big place in Brooklyn. It's got a lot of acreage. And the light kind of always is a little different, you know. Uh, things can change just slightly. And you know, the trick, is to kind of pay attention, you know? And again, part of this for me isn't just coming here to photograph. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I just don't want to come here and take pictures. I, I want to be in the moment a little bit, look around, see some green. What I'm looking at now are these marble sculptures that are sort of embedded in the, uh, in this mausoleum and they're much brighter than the uh, the granite that the museum, I'm sorry, the mausoleum is part of. So they really kind of stand out. I'm looking at this and thinking, you know, I would maybe like a black and white, maybe shoot this in black and white. So right now I'm using a really good lens that I found through the Fuji uh, groups on Facebook. And it's, a, it's called a seven artisan. So the number seven artisans lens, it's a 50 millimeter. It's a 1.8 widest aperture setting. Uh, the lens was under a hundred dollars. I think it was actually 90 or $80. It's a manual lens, right? So then, but that's fine for me. I like shooting manual. Remember I'm switched to manuals. <laughs> I'm all about that. But I'm not in a rush here. I'm not shooting, you know, I'm not shooting uh, sports or anything like that. You know, right now I'm shooting sculptures. They're not moving. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking I might 
well, I don't know if I want to do the conversion to black and white now while I'm shooting, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll just set the, I'm using my X-T20, and I think I'll set the film simulation to black and white, perhaps with a green filter simulation, All right? And yeah, everything else looks good. I mean, again, I could switch it to color later, or I could enhance the black and white when I take the JPEG out of the camera. But, oh yeah, so I'm looking at it through the uh, LCD screen and black and white really looks good. That's kind of what I want. You know, the great thing about mirrorless cameras is that you can preview the way your shots can look, right? Through the back of the camera. It's showing you exactly what you're gonna get. So there's very little guesswork. Oh, the trick about this camera is it's a little tricky to focus. Plus my glasses are getting dark because of the bright this is the outside. I got these transition glasses. So this is a little tricky to find a focus. I'm trying to do focus with my camera using um, just the regular standard method. So when the image is in focus, it looks focused, but I think I might switch it to focus peak highlight so that an, I'll get a sort of a red highlight where it's in focus. It might actually help me. Yeah, it seems to be helping a little bit, but I'm going to double check it because I don't entirely trust it. So uh, it looks sharp. Okay, that's one. I'm trying not to take too many pictures. I got a lot, I got so many pictures of Greenwood Cemetery. But, you know, like I said, trying to see something new for the first time. And right now I'm just, this is sort of a warm up, you know? In a way, seeing some of the sculptures, photographing them. I might have already photographed these. And I'm looking, it looks sharp. Sure, it looks okay. Yeah, for uh, focus peaking. Sometimes I don't really trust the focus peaking uh, method to focus. But I think it looks okay. Uh, I'm going to try a couple more just while I'm here. Yeah, I can kind of see the focus working out. And I love using the LCD screen on the back because it allows me to get a little few angles that I couldn't get, you know, uh, if I have to look through the viewfinder. So these are obviously religious figures on, on this uh, mausoleum. I'm moving myself to the other side, shooting the other, the other sculpture. And I'm using focus peaking. You're probably hearing a little bit of wind now, so I'm going to be quiet. Yeah. It doesn't look in focus for some reason. So I'm going to turn the focus peaking off. Let's see if I can go back to enlarging it and looking manually for the focus here. Yeah, I can do it better with my eyes. I got these crazy glasses that are like bifocals. And so in order for me to look closely, I got to tilt my head back. I'm sure some of you understand that. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I stick with my own eyes and forget focus peaking. I think, I think the focus peaking doesn't work always, excuse me, so well with the manual focus lenses. So, so I'm now at the back of this uh, mausoleum. There's a couple of more sculptures. Uh, I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna do the same kind of treatment. I'm shooting through the columns 
that are on the mausoleum and sort of framing the sculpture with these columns. Uh, not a most inventive composition, but it looks okay in black and white. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the situation that I'm looking at in this mausoleum is already kind of monochromatic in the first place, so having it in color is not, I don't think it's really going to add anything to the shot, okay? Okay, so I'm coming up on another uh, mausoleum that's shaped like a pyramid, and it's uh, certainly one of the more famous ones here. Uh, Van Ness Parsons is the name on the tomb, and it looks like... Uh, the religious figures of John and Mary and baby Jesus are, are on the front of this entrance. But then there's also a sphinx right next to the, uh, the sculptures looking at up, maybe looking at Mary and the baby Jesus. And it's also kind of uh, a very strange contrast of styles and you know, stories that are going on. This pyramid, which is uh, the pyramid and the Sphinx, obviously representative of uh, ancient culture and Egypt and whatnot. And then, I mean, obviously there's that connection uh, between, the, you know, Jesus and, well, I, you know what? I don't really know, actually. Uh, I'm not very religious, so I can't speak. But, but it seems pretty apparent that there's an interesting combination going on here. So I photographed this a thousand million times. And I really don't see another another new way to shoot it. Anything I can bring to the uh, to the table here, but I am using this new lens, and so I have yet actually to shoot this tomb with this new lens. But even with the new lens, I'm still not quite getting a. Maybe I'll just do a close up of. I think I'll just do a close up of the sculpture here. With the Mary and Jesus. Um, oh, and someone's put change at the base. That's something to shoot. Someone put some change at the base of the uh, the Sphinx. That's interesting. I've never seen that before. It's like a few dollars in change. Maybe less than a few dollars. But uh, I've never seen that before. So I want to frame it so that I can get pause of the Sphinx and then the change in between. And oh, I've, it's so bright out that my electronic shutter is going off so you can't hear the shot. So yeah, well, yep. So I'm actually, you might hear that there might be a different sound here. I'm right next to the entrance of this, uh, of this mausoleum, the pyramid-shaped one. Uh, so I'm looking at a slightly different angle here of the Sphinx looking up at the baby Jesus. I'm telling you, bendy screens on, on mirrorless cameras is a miracle, you know? It just makes it that much easier to get at angles that you could never get before. The sculpture is marble, and you can see how the sort of the acid rain has been eating away at it. Uh, actually, if I do a close-up of 
John's jo John Joseph. Jesus' father is Joseph or John? Joseph. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah. Is the skin, quote unquote, the skin, the marble looks really interesting textures. So I don't think I've shot this like this before. Really close up of the face. I just gotta make sure I don't fall and trip down. But I'm getting a nice, nice tight shot. You know, I love shooting sculptures, you know, uh, especially at museums where the marble has been made almost to look like skin. It's a, it's a lot of fun. This, this looks very ghostly, you know, and Mary's got a tear coming down her face. At least I think that's what that is. So I want to take a picture of her too. Again, the marble, the marble texture is really interesting. Okay, of course, I'm going to take a peek. Yeah, looks good. Baby Jesus, maybe, too. As long as I'm getting everybody. All right, let's get the baby. I have a portrait of a marble baby Jesus. So Greenwood is an active cemetery, meaning that there are people being buried here all the time, so we must treat the place with respect. If I usually, if I see uh, people visiting a grave or an active uh, ceremony going on, I, I tend to just um, move along and give them their way. Uh, the last thing they want to see probably is some photographer walking around uh, in their moments of uh, grief and solace and so wow okay so I'm I've come across a the top of a tomb one that's embedded in the ground with this insanely wonderful I'm guessing it's uh, well whatever metal turns green it's copper or brass or something like that with this incredible pattern of pine leaves and pine cones and flowers so i think i'm just going to take a close-up of this i'm going to leave this in color yeah, of course what i'm doing here is also i'm photographing someone else's artwork you know and you know for the most part i'm really not going to do anything with this you know i'm just sort of recording it for myself uh, i wouldn't want to you know, so this is not something that I would sell or even make fine art, but just as sort of the record of being here. You know, that's what we do when we're shooting, is that we're also capturing that we were here and we saw this thing. You know, when we're kind of recording all the steps that we take in our life when we photograph, you know? You kind of say to yourself, uh, uh, I was here at this time doing this thing. And, you know, maybe that picture goes into the memory book. You never print it. You never really do anything with it, except that you might look at it once in a while when you're 
scanning through your archives and uh, and you see that you were there at that time and you saw that thing and that's another power of photography is is you know in some way it's augmenting your memory right because you might have forgotten that you stopped by and saw that specific thing at that time and then you get you get the chance to remember when you when you look at it again maybe someone else at some point in the future will look at it and know that you were at the spot at that time uh, and that's another way that photography serves some sort of purpose you know um, I think we're I don't know as a species we like collecting things we like to have these sort of collective memories and uh, and maybe in some case the the validation that we we existed at some point and we were here and you know photography helps us do that you know not only does it record and validate who we're taking a picture of or the place that we're taking a picture of but even that that we're the ones taking the picture that we're on the other side of the camera and therefore we were there and that's an interesting thing to to say while i'm walking through a cemetery you know as well i'm looking at all these stones that are marking the resting place of a person who had an impact on the world in some way uh, big impacts small impacts but you know we're here to sort of remember them as well each stone has a story you know don't don't know what all the stories are because they don't they don't all say but each one has a story for somebody so right now I'm gonna switch lenses I gotta do this without dropping so I'm gonna stop walking because I already dropped this 55 to 200 once on the ground on cement luckily it landed most of the damage if not all the damage was on the uh, on the lens hood the lens hood acted like a little spring bounced that lens back up in the air and it came back down it just it it was fine it got it, the hood is still workable it's got some dents in it um, but I checked out the camera and it's all sorry the lens and it's all fine so now this lens is mine now that it's got its own little damage so okay so I got the 55 to okay 55 to 200 the camera should register that I put that on I have to switch to autofocus on this and let's see this is also not a bad lens it's a it's an inexpensive zoom lens it's got a, from Fuji so it's a brand lens it's got some distortion on it um, but you know what is really sharp for an inexpensive lens it's really sharp again it wouldn't be the kind of lens I would have gotten you know 10 15 years ago I wouldn't have thought about buying well this is this is a brand lens but it's not you know it's got a variable aperture and so it ends up being a little less expensive than or maybe I should say a lot less expensive than than a lens with a constant aperture but you know what I couldn't afford it so now I can't afford to buy the uh, more expensive lenses but uh, given that the lens quality has gone up um, I've taken some shots with this lens that are really good and you know what even if it's not a f 2.8 
I think it's a, it's a 3.5 when it's set to 55 millimeters. Then it's f 4.8 when it's at 200 millimeters, right? So it's maybe not the greatest in low light, but because the uh, Fuji cameras are so good with their ISOs, their high ISOs, you know, it could shoot in 6400, even in a pinch 12,000. And the pictures look pretty damn good. They're certainly usable, you know? So that's the, that's the plus. That's why it's gonna be worth buying sort of a, maybe not the top of the line lens, you know? But I'm pretty happy with this lens and I've been able to do a bunch of stuff with it that I like. All right, so I'm actually now at the top of the hill, away from where that first mausoleum was from Mr. John Anderson. So I'm gonna shoot it from here with this lens. I'm shooting in color now, because I got the green of the trees. Let me just darken it a little bit. I tend to like to underexpose my shots a little bit, especially because I'm shooting in JPEGs now, mostly. I mean, I'm shooting raw in JPEG, but my final shots tend to be the JPEGs that come out of the camera, and they react kind of the way film used to react when you underexpose uh, slide film, not, not print film, but when you underexpose slide film, the colors will start to saturate a lot. You know, and that, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because uh, darker, sort of saturated colors have more, you know, in a sense, they have more black in them, right? And so you're darkening the colors. Less saturated colors, like, you know, pastel colors, you know, they have more white in them. So it makes, it makes kind of sense. It, it didn't quite work out the same with, uh, with print film, as I recall, because of the way print film is a negative, right? And, and under underexposing really... Um, it didn't work. It didn't react the same way. The colors did not react the same way. So, but JPEGs in the camera, at least the, at least with the Fuji, you know, reacts like slide film, you know? So a slight underexposure will bring out the colors, even without me having to change the film simulation on the camera, you know? Uh, although the film simulation definitely makes some difference to the way the colors look, obviously. They're formulated differently in the, uh, in the software. But I, I, like, I just like those deeper colors. One of the things I liked about the Fuji camera at the get-go was the JPEGs that came out. They did remind me of film. Now, I'm not a, a, I'm not a big film apologist. I, when digital came out, I was really happy to move the digital, you know? Uh, there was a lot of problems, at least when I was using film for work, it was just too many unknowns that would kick in and cause a lot of problems. And so digital would allow me, you know, like it does, it allows you to have a lot of control over something, you know? So I was pretty happy when, when I could move the digital, but when the Fuji cameras came out and people were raving about them and the film simulations, and I picked one up, and I, I just started to see a quality to the, um, to the kind of images I was getting out of it that kind of reminded me of sort of the best parts of film, you know. And it wasn't something that it was interesting because I didn't realize I missed it, you know. I was, uh, I was, I, I've been into digital for a long time, and you know when I moved over, and not shot film anymore. I didn't have to scan film or something like that. And I was like, fine, that's not a problem. 
And I wasn't even thinking about, you know, the way the colors looked and the way Kodachrome looked. And, of course, you know, now that this stuff is gone, you know, I tend to miss it. <laughs> when it's here, just as a reminder, like, you know, remember to pay attention to things that you love now because they may not be here for a long time. In parentheses, another interesting thing to talk about while I'm walking in a graveyard. So... Uh, anyway, so the Fujis came out and, you know, they had that classic chrome, right? That look, which is, you know, I think their way of saying we've got something that looks like Kodachrome. And, you know, maybe, maybe it does. There's certain aspects to the classic chrome picture setting on the Fuji cameras that is reminiscent of maybe a kind of Kodachrome. Sure. Uh, but... You know, I started to miss some of the qualities of. It took the Fuji camera to come back into my life, to come into my life, for me to realize that there were aspects of film that I missed, and certainly uh, the the way colors looked on film. Uh, you know, digital, digital's fine. You know, I'm shooting with Nikon's, and so the colors are great. You know, I've made a living with it, and I don't have any problem with it. But Fuji did added a little extra special sauce to the mix. And, you know, you're hearing about a lot, a lot of that. A lot of photographers of my age are just saying, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's like a midlife crisis camera, you know, or something. Midlife crisis for a photographer's camera. Uh, so it's bringing back some of the something, some of that special sauce that we, we kind of used to love when we were shooting film. That's kind of what like reminds me of the film days because when I would shoot slides uh, if I was shooting Kodachrome Kodachrome looked beautiful when you underexpose it but like a third of a stop or even two-thirds of a stop maybe or that would be probably the most I mean it maybe depends on the shot that you're taking like in, in bright sunlight if you wanted some really deep shadows but you know you wouldn't want to go more than a stop right and you got back those chromes and the and you put them on the light box and Wow, they would just pop. They would just really pop. And remember, with film, that was like that was it. That was your final thing. Was the was the was the piece of film. If you were shooting transparency, you know, you weren't doing much to that. And I'm I'm not counting like scanning and doing any kind of computer stuff. I'm just talking about like you shot a picture and boom, it was done. And Part of my new, my workflow, and I hate saying it's a new workflow, but it's you know new in comparison to the amount of time I've been spending in digital, is really to remove the uh, processing, the, the vast majority of the processing uh, off my computer onto my phone. I'm using the JPEGs that come out of the camera because they're just beautiful, in my opinion. So they don't really even need that much work. I like to do some things. Again, it depends on the picture, the subject matter, and what I'm trying to say with it. Uh, but even when I wasn't underexposing, I would take it into like Snapseed or Lightroom on, on the iPhone and I would, I would purposely underexpose it. I would drop the exposures to try to pick up some saturation, you know. So, you know, I'm looking through the uh, lens, the telephoto, I'm, you know, 200, it's a zoom. And that's not how our eyes see, right? Our eyes don't see very wide angle. I mean, they are wide angle, right? But the, we don't really see the distortion. Um, our brains compensate for a lot of the distortion, but we also don't see telephoto, that compressed look of 
telephoto, you know? And so what is it that, what is it that we say when we're using a telephoto lens to compress a subject, right? It's still part, you know, the, the lens is a vocabulary, right? We're trying to say something. And each lens has its own language. And then on the earlier podcast, we had the language of lenses, right? So what's the, what's the telephoto trying to say? Now, of course, it's, it, when you create a shallow depth of field, you're really trying to separate the subject from the background, right? So you're doing some separation. Okay, well, that's sort of the, you know, that's the obvious thing that's happening. But what are you, what are you saying when you photograph with a telephoto lens? I don't know if I have an answer right now. I mean, I just shot this, this thing, this uh, angel sculpture with it pulled out of the background. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe it is really separating, separating the subjects. So I'm looking at another sculpture in the distance. And this, I, I definitely can see this in telephoto because even though I'm not seeing it with my eye in telephoto, right? I'm not seeing the compression, right? Because our eyes have a, like essentially a deep depth of field, right? So the trees behind the sculpture are pretty much as sharp as the sculpture itself, right? But for some reason, I'm seeing this, first of all, I'm seeing it as a vertical. Obviously, it's a standing sculpture, so I see verticalness to it. It's also framed by, the head of it is framed by some leaves. And there's something about, I can almost see the planes uh, in my eye, the, the planes of the leaf, the planes of the sculpture, the planes of the tree in the background. There's like three different planes here. And yes, I do want to take a shot with the telephoto um, because I'm seeing this at a distance. And I think maybe that's part of the language of a telephoto. You sort of maybe intuitively know that it's, that it's far away, even though you're, you're, you're zooming up close to it. But maybe there's an intuition that you're seeing something from a distance and it's being brought to you. So I'm gonna let that <laughs> percolate for a little while. Uh, let me take some shots of this. Now I'm back to color. Uh, I'm actually digging the color. I'm shooting in uh, Fuji, um, what is it? Uh, let's just see if it says, film simulator, oh, I can't see what it is, but it's S, I think it's soft. It's not standard, uh, but it's really nice because it's actually doing in reality, the, the sculpture is very gray and there's a lot of green around it, right? But the film simulation is adding a bit of blue to the highlights. Now, I might have the, the white balance set. Hang on a second. Let's see this. The white balance is to auto. Let me just see what happens when I switch it to... Maybe what's going on is that it's picking up a lot of the green and it's compensating. I'm switching it to daylight, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So daylight... Daylight, I'm picking up, the colors are a little more neutral. The camera's picking up a little bit more of the green ambience from the grass. Even though I can't really see it with my eyes, the camera is seeing it, or at least the film simulation is seeing it, right? So I'm gonna take a couple of shots like this. And this is nice. So this is more of a, this is not a record shot. This is actually, I'm actually digging the way this looks. The sculpture is backlit. A little bit right but it's getting some ambient green from the from the grass and then the camera's picking that up so let's have some fun here i'm going to switch to classic chrome so that's going to subdue the colors a little bit 
I'm going to increase the shadow tone because right now the shadow tone on on the Fuji camera was set to zero. I can actually increase the the sort of the um, density of the shadows. Uh, and oh, okay, now we're getting someplace. Okay, so classic Chrome looks a little bit more like reality here. It's a little more desaturated than reality, but the sculpture actually looks pretty good. Now that I boosted the shadows so that they're a little bit more blockier. Um, the sculpture looks a little bit more like it is backlit, which is really kind of sweet. So I'm sort of extended fully at 200 millimeters, and I can get sort of from the hands and the hips up to the head. And I just move myself a little bit closer to it physically, and I'm actually knocking the exposure down by like two-thirds of a stop. And I'm filling the frame with it. But I'm not doing the whole body. I'm just doing the upper parts, like sort of from the knee up. And I'm shooting vertically. You know, vertical is always a challenge. But I think this works very much with this. Actually, I'm digging the classic chrome, at least through the viewfinder of the LCD screen. And I'm just checking sharpness on it. You know, one of the one of the uh, boons to photographer life is is optical stabilization on the lenses. You know, there's no way I could have handheld this from this distance at this extension. I think I'm being eaten by it bugs. So it's a little twitchy. Now I just move my angle a little bit, slightly to the right. And I'm just going to take some variation. So you know, when you see something. I don't really need to take a lot of shots of this. Uh, now some leaves just got in the middle of the face, so I'm going to wait till the wind dies down. But it's really interesting to move around, you know, your subject uh, and, and take many angles. But you don't really have to lay your finger on the trigger and shoot hundreds of shots. So I think the two angles I got are, are, are what I liked. So I think that was less of a record shot and more of like, that was a nice picture shot. <laughs> so look, you know, this was an experiment. You get to follow me while I'm walking and shooting and what's going on in my mind a little bit, you know, I'm putting to words what is usually spinning around in my head by myself. I hope you got a little insight into it. You probably resonate with a lot of what I'm talking about. We're all sort of sharing the same journey in some way as photographers and artists, you know? So some of this is gonna resonate with you. Get a little chance to hear what's going on. Maybe you get to see some of the pictures, understand what I'm, what I'm talking about, you know? Uh, and yeah, so. Hopefully I didn't bore the hell out of you guys. But anyway, thank you for joining me on my little walk in uh, Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn. I hope you get something from it. And, you know, give me some feedback if you like this. Maybe I'll do more of it as time goes on. It'd be great to be uh, maybe doing this kind of stuff while I'm walking around doing the street shots, you know, talking about what I'm seeing with people. So. Hey, if you dig it, let me know. If you don't dig it, let me know. You got some thoughts about improving 
let me know. I'd like to hear from you guys. Anyway, it's Antonio signing off from Greenwood Cemetery. Well, I hope you uh, enjoyed my little walk through the cemetery, a, a tour through the tombstones, as it were, whatever that bad Liam Neeson movie was, <laughs> which they actually did film in Greenwood. What was it called? Uh, a Walk Through the Tombstones? I can't remember. It was a very bad movie. And sorry, Liam Neeson is a hack. Uh, I hope he's not listening to this, please. Don't take it the wrong way. I know you got to work, but I, I don't like your movies anymore. <laughs> You're picking up the phone. Anyway, uh uh, yes, the the movie is was shot in Greenwood Cemetery. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, let me know in uh, any kind of feedback method you'd like, whether or not you'd like me to do this again, or you know, don't bother, or you have any tips or you know feedback. Just please send 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 me a note uh, on Twitter or Facebook, and, and you can go to our website, which is switchtomanual.com. Uh, you can you know post in the comments section there on the, on the uh, post with the uh, with the podcast. Uh, so let it know there. So um, where are we doing? Oh, you know, please, you know, give us also feedback on Facebook. We are, I am a Facebook. I like Facebook. You know, it's a nice place to put, uh, to host the show and have, uh, have a page for a switch to manual. Also uh, on Twitter at the, um, at switch to the number two manual. So at switch to manual. Uh, you can also post to my, my personal Twitter account, which is at am Rosario. Um, I answer that a lot too. And what else? Um, Look, you know, uh, if you want to support the show, I haven't set up a Patreon account yet, but I might be doing that soon since I seem to be doing a show regularly. So uh, Patreon might be popping up. But until then, if you do want to uh, show some support, uh, you can. we have a tip cup on the uh, Podbean page and, and uh, you can drop us uh, a few bucks there to get a, you know, a coffee or, or help me take care of some of the hosting. Uh, I appreciate that. The other thing uh, I'd like to do is offer you the uh, the uh, portfolio uh, reviews, the Switch to Manual portfolio reviews. So if you want some feedback on some pictures that you maybe say you're going to submit to a contest or uh, something or other, you know, just um, go to the uh, switch to manual, uh, com slash portfolios and uh, we have different portfolio reviews and you can uh, send me your pictures and uh, I will give you some uh, professional feedback because that's what I used to do. Uh, so that's a great way to support the, uh, you know, what I'm doing here on switch to manual because then I'm working for the money, you know? So, but if you do want to just throw some cash my direction to help, uh, offset some of the costs, I'm doing this all by myself. Uh, I don't have any sponsors yet. And so, uh, yeah, you know, think about that. I don't like asking for money, but you know, sometimes <laughs> like it's getting expensive, but anyway, thanks a lot. Uh, even just listening, you know, if you guys, um, listen to me on uh oh we're now on um spotify so if you want to get if you know if you've been listening or uh hoping that we get on spotify i finally got that set up in the past uh past month and so go you know get our show on spotify and if you are getting us on itunes please leave us some feedback and uh some ratings and you know the best thing you guys can do is tell other people who you might be interested in podcasts to, to listen to the show you know, the more listeners, uh, the better. I think um, I want more ears hearing the show. So, uh, you know, if you can't support us monetarily, support us with your voice and uh, sharing this show. And uh, I do want to give a shout out uh, again to, um, gosh, for the guys at uh, Shutter Time, Sid and Mac. I've been on their show a lot. And if you like this show, 
uh, go check them out. Um, they're, they're weekly photography podcast and I give them a lot of credit for coming up <laughs> like three or four or five shows a month. Uh, that's a lot, you know, um, but go check them out. And, uh, I'm on that show a lot too. So it is sort of a self, you know, cross promotion. And I really enjoy talking to those guys about photography. And I think, uh, I think our two shows complement each other. Well, you know, so we're cousins from another mother <laughs> as Sid would say, or I said, I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, go check my buddies out in Canada. Uh, Shutter Time with Sid and Mac. And uh, anyway, uh, until, uh, you know, until the middle of August, uh, have have a great summer. You know, enjoy, take a lot of pictures. And uh, I will see you later. And adios.